0: Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. This week, I am working hard on a brand new and exciting project that I will tell you more about at the end of the show. But because I've got my head down this week, and I'm working diligently to meet my deadlines, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this episode. We've been talking quite a bit about family history blogging in the last few episodes, and I have a few goodies for you this week that should help you make significant progress in creating your own blog, if that's something that you'd like to do, and some goodies for you from other genealogy bloggers that will inspire and entertain you. And that's coming up next. enjoy reading genealogy blogs that share insight into how the bloggers research has enriched their lives. And I particularly enjoy reading the family stories that they uncover along their journey. Well, in episode 69 of the Genealogy Gems podcast, I featured a blogger reading one of their favorite blog posts, and frankly, uh, one of my favorites for that matter, for the first time on the show. Lee Drew read his post, My Mother Was a Quilter. The charming story of his early years growing up in a family of quilting women and how his life hasn't changed that much because he is surrounded by them today with his own wife, daughters, and daughters in law. Well, in this episode, I'm really happy to be able to bring you another blog entry by Lee Drew. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Lee. Lee Drew has been searching for his ancestors for 55 years, starting when he was just five years old and could write long words and letters to distant relatives, asking for any information that they had on their family and ancestors. His genealogy data and digital genealogy photos, documents, and research notes require about three terabytes of storage space. Well, today Lee is as busy as ever with his genealogy research, including maintaining several family history-related websites, including his famhist.com website about the family that he is continually discovering. You can find his famhist blog at famhist2.blogspot.com and his Lineage Keeper blog, all about his ancestors, their diaries and their letters at lineagekeeper.blogspot.com. So, sit back and enjoy another blog post called Finding Charlie Stone by Lee Drew.
1: This is Lee Drew with the Fam Hist blog, Finding Charlie Stone brick walls and other missing information in our ancestral research is a common experience for all of us. Frequently the information we need to find is close to us in time, yet it seems to be as elusive as the exact birth date of an ancestor who was born in 1582. Our ancestor was born or died in a sparsely populated county where church and government records have not yet been created. Therefore, their missing information is impossible for us to find, right? That may not be true in more cases than you'd think. In 1985, my wife and I traveled to Calvary County, California, looking for information on my second-great-grandparents and their family. The only information I had about them was that they had lived and died in Copperopolis, a tiny mining town on the shoulder of the Sierra Nevada Mountains. The mines had long since closed, and the population could be counted on the fingers of both hands. Well, maybe I had to use some toes too. Not finding anyone in the tiny store there who knew anything about my family, I asked them for directions to the cemetery. We soon found it. It was divided into four sections by rock walls. The current residents were those who had lived in Copperopolis over the years. They had belonged to various faiths, and organizations, or just the populace in general, and were buried in a section that aligned with their beliefs in life. When we found the headstones and burial plot of my ancestors and some of their family, I was absolutely delighted. Finally, I had seen and touched something tangible that proved that they had existed. I could see that someone had cared about them, because of the few desert plants and bushes that had been planted around the plot. An old coffee can and a quart mason jar were sitting against the California oak tree in the center of the plot. They had obviously been used to carry water to these plantings. Wondering how I could contact the caretaker of these plants, it came to me to write a note on the back of my business card. I put it in the bottle, and then I put the bottle inside of the coffee can. The note asked them to contact me. Who knew if they would or how long it would take? I had high hopes and those hopes weren't dashed. Several days later I received a letter and family information from a distant cousin who was caring for the plants in the cemetery. The gold was found in the California Gold Country again. We made a second trip the next year to Calaveras County and after talking to the good folks there in the Calaveras County Historical Society were told that I needed to talk to Charlie Stone in Copperopolis. They said he was the unofficial town historian and that he may have some information to help me in my quest. Well, it didn't take long to find Charlie and Rhoda Stone's home in Copperopolis. Knocking on the door, Rhoda opened it and invited us in. One whole wall of their living room was covered from floor to ceiling with stacks of paper, books, and documents about early Copperopolis, Calvary County. They were writing a book about the area, and all of these records were part of their research. Charlie came home a few minutes later, and after we introduced ourselves to him, and I related my quest to find my ancestors, his face lit up, and he said, I have something for you, and his hand shot out, right here. Reaching into one of the towering stacks of paper, he pulled out a dozen pages. I held my breath, thinking the entire thing was going to come down in an avalanche and bury both of us. Charlie knew his stacking skills better than I. He turned to me and said, These are the records of your people. Here are their birth, marriage, and death dates, and the places where those things occurred. Looking a little bit longer, he said, Oh, by the way, here's a photo of your great-grandmother in her buggy when she was a young woman. It was taken on the day that her buggy flipped when the horse ran away. The baby landed in a bush and wasn't hurt, but neither was your great-grandma. For me, time stopped. The grin on my face was permanent. He offered to make copies of all of the records for me and the photos, off we went up the hill to the telephone company service trailer to make them. I had in my hands something more precious than gold, in my estimation. When we walked back down the hill, he stopped, and he thought for a few minutes longer, and then he said, That isn't all of the information I'm supposed to give you. Moving several inches of paper around on his desk, he retrieved a slip of paper with a name and address on it. This is the name and the address of your cousin. He stopped here to talk to me early last summer, riding his Harley motorcycle, and looking for any information on the family. I told him there aren't any of them still here but he gave me his address and name just in case anyone else in the family ever showed up. As soon as we got home, I wrote my cousin a letter and sent copies of all of the common ancestry that I'd found in my lifelong ancestral quest. Three days later, I received a telephone call. He asked if I was the person who had sent the letter and the information. When I said yes, he asked how I'd gotten his address. I told him the story about visiting Charlie Stone, and that Charlie, true to his word, had passed his name and address on to a family member who was looking for the family and for our ancestry. The line was silent for about a full minute. When he started to speak again, he was still suspicious of me. We talked for a moment, and he finally told me that due to problems in his life, none of his accounts, any ownership papers, or other records existed in his name. Everything had been put in his wife's maiden name. He said that it was impossible for Charlie Stone to give you my address. I've never heard of Charlie Stone. I haven't been to Copperopolis for over 40 years. I don't have a motorcycle. We only moved in our, to our current home oh just a few months ago, long after the date that you said I had visited Charlie. Well, we continued to talk. He understood that I was real and not after anything else. As we visited about our families and ancestry, I discovered that he'd lost all contact with his own family. I told him about his aunt and uncle who were buried in Copperopolis. They'd raised him as a young man. He hadn't seen them since he left their home many, many years earlier. Tender moments of comments ensued when he finally had to hang up because he could no longer control his emotions. Rick Walls came down, both in my ancestral quest and in my family search, due to my visit that day with Charlie Stone. Was I guided by an unseen force? You better believe I was, and I'm extremely grateful for it. Charlie wrote his book, he's gone now. My cousin has also passed on, but the experience of meeting this old, unofficial town historian and then meeting my cousin on a telephone call will always be with me. Great grandpa and grandma, thank you for helping me find our family, and for finding your family. Much of it's been put back together now. So when you are out trying to knock down your own ancestral brick walls or fill in information about your extended families, don't forget to look for the Charlie Stone in the area where your family lived. You never know what will turn up or who you'll meet as a result. Best in your ancestral quest.
0: be right back with more family history blogging right after this. I have another talented genealogy blogger for you in this episode. But before we hear from her, I want to say that I hope that you took a few minutes to follow the steps outlined in episode 40 of this podcast, and that you got your own blog started. Now remember, you don't have to make it public so you can dabble all you want and only share it if and when you're ready. Well, to help you along and for you visual learners out there, I've produced two videos for you that walk you through those same steps that we discussed in episode 41. But in the videos, I show you live on the computer screen just how it's done. So head to my Genealogy Gems TV channel at YouTube to watch How to Blog Your Family History, Parts 1 and 2. And if you like what you see, I'd appreciate it if you gave the videos five-star ratings. You know, good ratings always encourage new viewers to take a moment and try the videos out. And of course, feel free to leave your comments right there on the video pages. And rest assured, there are more videos to come because we have only scratched the surface in creating your blog and actually getting you blogging. You can find the Genealogy Gems TV channel at youtube.com user. Slash genealogy gems and I'll also have that link for you in the show notes for this episode which is number 41 okay let's get to some more good stuff and this goodie comes from Amy coffin who has a master's in library science and she's an avid genealogist who specializes in the use of web 2.0 technologies to really maximize her research results. Her experience in the library world has led to a firm belief in the benefits of social networking and blogging to enhance the genealogy experience. Through her website, amycoffin.com, Amy offers ideas on how others can maintain blogs and open up their own family history to whole new levels. When she's not helping her clients with their research, Amy shares her own personal genealogy adventures at the we Tree blog at wetree.blogspot.com. In this brief interview, Amy shares a story about how blogging has benefited her research. So Amy, you were just telling me, and I'd love you to share this story with the listeners, about how you posting on your blog ended up surfacing some new resources in your genealogy research months down the road. What happened?
2: Well, I have this great-grandmother, Gertrude, and I know pretty much all about her when she was born, when she died. The, the, who she married, the children she had, the great sh- grandchildren, but I couldn't find her parents. I couldn't, well, I, I couldn't find her father. And I've blogged about it casually about, you know, great Gertrude and the photos, and I just I couldn't get past it, and it was driving me crazy. And I left it at that. And about I don't know, eight months later, out of the blue, I'm reading my email, and it's and there's an email from a woman who's looking for information on Gertrude. She has everything on Gertrude's family. Oh, wow. Her her father, her grandparents, she can't, Gertrude was the one that got away to her. And she wanted to know if I had anything on Gertrude. And I had everything she could ever want on Gertrude, but I had nothing on Gertrude's family. And here she had that. And we were like two puzzle pieces that fit together. And it was really the blog that made the connection. It was the blog that made the connection. It was just You know, it wasn't a formal, they're not formal posts, they're conversational, they're my journal, here's what I tried to find on Gertrude today, I couldn't, I used her last name, it's an unusual last name, and I left it at that, and, you know, eight months down the road, out of the blue, I have a new cousin, I have a new history in Milwaukee, it's great.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And I would imagine that the people that are out there surfing the net, they don't have to become devoted readers to your blog. They may just be doing surname searches or keyword searches and something about what they were looking for matched up with what appeared on your blog post, right? That's
2: exactly what happens. And a lot of times I will include surnames. I might include nicknames or misspellings or the county or the city just in my casual conversation. And it really is just people, you know, they have a few extra minutes at night, and they're searching for their own history, and they find this, and they can't believe that that's actually the same name, and they get up the nerve to contact the author, and it goes from there.
0: So, have you been worried at all about posting your genealogy online? That's one of the questions I get all the time: is, you know, is it safe? Is it? Um, am I going to regret this down the road? How do you feel about it now that you've been doing it for a while?
2: Um, I I'm careful about what I post. I don't post anything. About living people, uh-huh. um, I'm real. I'm careful about recently deceased people. For my great grandparents and great great grandparents, I'm not real, you know, careful. There's not a whole lot that you could mess up with that. I just post enough to get into the search engines, so maybe someone might find something, and might be curious enough to contact me, and we can exchange information privately.
0: And that could happen a week later or a year later, couldn't it?
2: Right, and you know that's part of the blogging. You just have to. It's like fishing. You just kind of throw the line out there, and you wait, and you just have faith because at some point, you never know somebody's going to find something, or they're going to they're going to type in the right phrase, and your your blog post is going to be the top thing, and they're going to read it, and they're going to go, Oh my gosh, I think I you know I think I know this person. I think I have pictures I can share with you.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, Amy, Amy's blog is called We Tree. You and I might be related. <laughs> Tell us the <laughs> website address, Amy.
2: The website address is we com.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thank you, Lisa. Are you looking for a way to get even more Genealogy Gems that will power boost your research, inspire your creativity, and give you the motivation that you need to tackle that brick wall? Well, will become a Genealogy Gems Premium Member. You'll get two extra members-only episodes every month, packed with great information that you can use right away, an instructional video series walking you through the best internet tools step-by-step. Our current series is called Google, a Goldmine of Genealogy Gems. And in each episode, you can follow along with me as I show you online how to get the most out of Google. If you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast, then you're going to love being a premium member. But don't just take my word for it. Here's what your fellow podcast listeners have to say.
2: This is Melissa Parker in Tennessee. I'm just calling to let you know how much I'm enjoying your Genealogy podcast premium edition I especially love the handwriting analysis with Paula Sassy, and all the tips and information that you give is just so wonderful. I would encourage anyone to become a member of your Genealogy Gems podcast premium.
0: To become a premium member and start reaping the benefits right away, go to genealogygems.tv and click the Join Today button. And by entering the special coupon code SAVE20, that's save E two zero you will get 20% off the annual membership. Genealogy Gems Premium Membership. It's where you belong. That's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.